I also would like to welcome you. We have a wonderful new year ahead of us and we'll see what we can do with it all. <laughs> I'd like to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity, Yogananda's Book of Answered and Prayer Demands. O divine sculptor, chisel thou my life. Every sound that I make, let it have the vibration of thy voice. Every thought that I think, let it be saturated with the consciousness of thy presence. Let every feeling that I have glow with thy love. Let every act of my will be impregnated with thy divine vitality. Let every thought, every expression, every ambition be ornamented by thee. O divine sculptor, chisel thou my life according to thy design. So it is a, an amazing time that we live in and uh, here we are at the beginning of a new year. It's a natural time to uh, think about what we've done so far, what we look forward to in a new time. And uh, I was remembering just a cute little uh, story, uh, just a kind of a joke, but uh, that a man, older man, was walking along the road one day and he looked down and there was a little frog down there. And the frog was saying, help me, help me. <laughs> and the man thought, wow, that's unusual. So he picked the frog up and the frog said, help me, help me. If you kiss me, I'll, I'll make you a prince and I'll be a princess. And the man thought about this for a little bit. And then he looked at the frog and he said, you know, at my time of life, I think I'd rather have a talking frog. And he put the frog in his pocket. <laughs> He knew it would be trouble if he didn't. <laughs> anyway, but you know, thinking about our time, I, I wanted to just share with you some thoughts about um, our spiritual life and just things that have been in my mind. Uh, I've been reading a book off and on uh, by John Meacham. It's called, And There Was Light. Uh, Abraham Lincoln and the American Struggle. And it's very interesting to read. I thought, oh, this will be good. John Meacham is a good writer and I'll just start out. And when I started reading it, I thought, wow, this is kind of heavy. Because Lincoln, who it talks a lot about, had a very difficult uh, childhood and growing up time. It was not an easy time for him personally. But also, then he got in, he was very drawn to politics. And uh, Yogananda said about Lincoln that he was a reincarnated yogi who had died with the desire to, to see racial equality. That was a very strong thought in him. And so, he got born in the 1800s in America when that was a raging debate about racial equality, about slavery, about the union, about everything. So, you know, I'm reading this book and thinking, I'm not sure, so I put it down for a little bit and then I pick it up again and, 
And, but it, it's interesting because it was such a time of incredible turmoil. Only 60, 70 years after America had become, the United States had become a reality. And now here was this incredible turmoil around really keeping the union together, the republic that had been established. As Benjamin Franklin said, and we probably all heard this, a woman asked him after the, one of the Continental Congresses, so, so sir, what have you given us? And he said, I've given you a republic. And he said, if you can keep it. <laughs> because it was such a new idea. And so fast forward to 1848 and moving forward, it was an incredibly tumultuous time and just unbelievable uh, divisions. And we think we've got divisions. It, it's actually a good book to read because it puts in perspective what was what was going on then was so much more uh, severe in certain ways, in many ways. But at any rate, I, I like to, when I think about these thing, inst instances of history, I think, okay, so I looked up, when did the Civil War start? April 1861. Five months later, in the Himalayas, Lahiri Mahashai, met Babaji in September 1861. The Civil War was just beginning, which was four years long. More people were killed in that one war than all the other wars America has ever fought. More people were killed. In, but in India, Babaji, who is overseeing the development of this entire planet and the bringing together of East and West, was introducing, once again, the science of Kriya Yoga. And isn't, I'm saying that because it's like the juxtaposition of these two things, but they're all sort of connected. Because America was established with very high ideals. And people will say, well, yeah, you know, we had these high ideals, but, you know, we haven't really lived up to them. Well, hey, you know, it takes a little time to bring high ideals into manifestation, especially when it's a brand new concept. And in the, the 1800s, America and the idea of a republic, a democratic republic, one that where we even stated, we being the founders, all men are created equal. It's like, whoa, okay, you've really set the bar very, very high now. And so it take, you do that, and then you have to come back to present realities. And so Abraham Lincoln was a big part of that uh, argument, those discussions, and eventually became, out of pretty much nowhere, president of the United States and served through the Civil War and then was assassinated. But in the meantime, Babaji had planted this seed of Kriya Yoga in India. And I'm, again, I'm saying this because we look at turmoil and we look at what's presently going on around us, but 
it's important to put it in a much bigger context. And so we're in, we're in process. You know, somebody asked one of my friends decades ago about, oh, you know, you're not perfect. And she said, I'm in process. I'm in process, you know, this, that's what the spiritual life is about. Hardly anybody wants to live the spiritual life, by the way. This is a big deal that a few of us, hundred maybe, are gathered here, <clears throat> and we're interested in finding God. That, that's a rarity on this planet. It's a rarity in this world. So, but very important for us to be aware of what's going on around us, but to put it in a broader context of what's happening. And so we look at the seed of Kriya Yoga being planted in the Himalayas, and wasn't it interesting that Lahiri didn't even want anybody to really promote it? <laughs> you know, when, when people, he came back to Varanasi Banaras and, and took up what he, would, what he was doing before, being a bookkeeper, you know, for the British, by the way, on an, uh, a railroad company, <clears throat> that um, he, he kept it quiet because he said the natural flowering of Kriya Yoga will happen through people. The individuals who take it up and begin the practice, they're the ones. If I just came out and said, wow, here's a new technique, it would be, oh yeah, another technique out of the hundreds or thousands that are available in India. But the incredible revolution that Kriya Yoga, which is, goes to the heart of the matter of why we are bound and why we don't know God yet and how to get out of delusion, that had to be put in the context of reality of people actually practicing it. And those people became the examples. Their lives became the examples. It's, it's interesting that just the other day, um, we have a development uh, fundraising department here, and we were talking about things, and we were brainstorming and how to write a piece or what to do, how, what the theme would be. And in that moment, one of the people uh, who now works with us, Diane Calabria, if you're watching, I'm mentioning your name, <laughs> um, lives in Cold Springs, Minnesota. And so she's zooming in and taking part, but she has a, a long-term background in fundraising. But this was more about a theme for the new year and how to get people interested. And she made a very interesting comment. She said, Ananda has purpose. And that is a rare thing in the world. And she said, when I came on this path, I've never lived at Ananda Village or in any of the Ananda communities. But the reason that I really trusted it and could feel the purpose of it and, and the dynamic uh, energy of it is because I saw what it did for people. And I, I looked at those people, she's visited here with her husband, I looked at those people and I knew it was true, I knew it was real. In other words, that the teachings that we give, they work, <laughs> you know, they produce people who 
are on their way to becoming self-realized. So that was a very, I thought, wow, what a good thing to hear from her who really has never lived here but is very much, very much and very dedicated to being part of Ananda. And so we have this path. We have the things that we've been given that allow us to actually know God. I mean, that is not only rare that we want to know God, but we've been given the ways to actually make that a reality. And so what's interesting to me is that Yogananda talked about, and I'll just refer this to all of you and say you might want to look it up. In the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, in verse uh, 31, there is a long commentary about that verse, that Rubaiyat, and that it talks about how you can know the divine. It's a very, very subtle and very interesting uh, commentary. And at the end of it, uh, Swami Kriyananda makes an editorial comment on it. The rest is from Yogananda, and he's talking about uh, what this uh, rubaiyat means, this particular phrase. And, uh, but at the end of it, he's talking about practicing the presence of God. Swami Kriyananda is about what Yogananda has said. And <clears throat> what I'm getting to here is that he talks about Yogananda did not only come and give us techniques, Kriya Yoga, uh, right attitude, the way of life, all of that, ideals, community, uh, world brotherhood communities, that is an ideal to build that. But he also gave us the very subtle things to look for in ourselves that will make this path and our progress along it really work, really happen. And so what, what Swami Kriyananda highlights is that Yogananda said the two most insidious things that we have, that we all have going on in our minds are absent-mindedness and fillers. And he said, taken one by one, you know, you think, no big deal, I'm a little absent-minded, or I have a little, you know, look at a magazine or whatever. But he said, it is a drip process. And he said, the drip is throughout the day, drip, drip, drip of what happens because our minds, we allow it to wander. We allow it to be absent-minded and we just oh, look out the window and think, oh, I wonder what's going on, and we remember things from the past, but there's no purpose to it. There's no purpose to it, and therefore it's subconscious, it's absent-mindedness. The mind is just wandering, and we allow it to do that, and it becomes a habit. The other part, the fillers, are the things that we then do, but they, they don't do anything for us. Oh, we think, oh, yeah, I'll look, at, look through this magazine, or I'll, I'll get on the internet, or I'll, you know, we've all, we all do it. And I think these things are one of the things that we should really think about and understand how to deal with, because 
we don't have just a magazine or turning on the radio or you know looking around or whatever we're interconnected and totally connected all the time and so i think for all of us we really want to look at our lives and say how can i live this life in a way because he says these energy seepages matter over <clears throat> days months years and for your entire life and they really take away from your spiritual life it's a real big problem so just keep in mind that those things are going on and the answer to it <clears throat> he said live more interiorly you know take the time and for all of us in our time we have to really be conscious about doing this <laughs> because it's so it's also interconnected and it's all fine <coughs> if you don't <coughs> excuse me if you don't want a spiritual life if you do want a spiritual life then you need to, need to take note of it but <coughs> he says do things like <coughs> think about your spine during the day chant om at the chakras ending up here at the spiritual eye in other words and it's interesting i was caught by looking at this because i thought but that thought just went through my mind a few weeks ago and it was it was more than just a thought it was i thought you need and it was live more in your spine live more in your spine and i thought oh okay i mean i i do that but it was saying it to me live more in your spine and i would pass that on to you live more in your spine you know do the things that allow you to become centered more be why because it will give you the greatest happiness and fulfillment that we're all seeking that's where it comes from and how yogananda phrases it in this rubaiyat 31 is that he said you reverse the energy flow in the nervous system from going outward into the senses and you reverse it to its be- the beginning of that nervous system and into the spine and brain and so there's a lot to read there i would recommend doing so and just to <clears throat> start to get a feel for how you can do this in a creative way in your own life it's not meant to say oh well now we all need to just cut everything off and we're going to go into a cave and not real it's not real but yogananda knew that we would be living in this kind of a time and it's a time when we need to deal with our outer realities and still maintain our spiritual life and that's our challenge that's our that's what we're we've been given So let's take it on dynamically and deal with it because we have the tools to deal with it. Yogananda described energy flow wise what to do, reverse that flow, go to the beginning of the nervous system and move the energy inward into the spine and brain. So that's one part. But he also gave us in addition kriya yoga, energization, 
Om Technique, Hamsa, all the ways that we can actually have and engage in a spiritual life. And so it's really important that we take note of these things that are mentioned specifically, and that can make such a big difference in our lives. Um, And the other thing I was thinking is that, you know, we think, well, I'm just going along and living my life, and spiritually it seems to be going okay. And But you know, if we keep putting out every day that effort, mainly I'm doing this because it's about meditation. That's the anchor. And we just have to figure out how to do it every day, twice a day, using the techniques, just how, how to do it. We're, we're good, we're Americans, we're creative, we know how to do things. <laughs> we can be successful, as, as Pranavo was talking about in the affirmation. How can we do it? Not why I can't do it. How can we do it? That's our, that's our challenge. And it is for our greatest fulfillment and happiness. And along the way, I'm building this up because I don't want to leave you with, well, now we need to do this and this and this. But along the way, you will also receive the benefits from this. And I wanted to share with you an experience that I had. Um, It was earlier this year, and it was uh, unexpected. But those unexpected things will come into your life if you are doing the other parts of it. They will pop in at a certain point. For me, maybe recently it was, live more in the spine, you know. <laughs> hey, okay, that sounds good. But, uh, but that, that we are given encouragement, that we receive things if we are listening. And we have to be listening. That eternal word, that heart of silence, that we have to have time in this incredibly restless (laughs) vibration that we're living in right now. And, uh, but just figure out how to do it, how to make it happen. But the thing that happened for me was simple. I went down one one day, it was probably February, uh, just to say, I was in the mail room at the village here, and uh, right next door is the new office, Lotus Building, and Nanda Devi and I connect periodically, and so I thought, oh, I'll just pop in and say hello. She has a, an office in there. So I went in, and, and we were talking, and she had her little heater on because it was very cold, and I, I hadn't brought my jacket. You know, I just popped into the mail room, and then I thought, oh, I'll pop in for a minute and say hello to her. And then when I was finished with that, we had a nice conversation, I walked out, and I thought, oh, that's right. The Divine Mother art exhibit is happening here. And there was nobody around. And I just thought, wow, I, I want to take a look at this. And so I started. And I didn't start with the most obvious painting. And I'll tell you about this in a moment. I, I just was drawn, okay, and it went clear round, and it went in the middle, and both sides, and clear round again, and da da da. So I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I started looking at these artworks, many of them from the village, but some from our neighbors, some from someone in town, 
And as I looked at each one, the reason I couldn't stop is because I started feeling the consciousness of the person that had done that work. And it was very strong. And it didn't matter whether I liked the, the artwork or not. I really appreciated the person. And so I went around to every single painting. I don't know how many there were. And I was getting colder and colder. It was freezing cold in there. But I couldn't stop. I had to go to every single painting and, and spend time with it and feel that energy of the, of the person. So the paintings were very nice. Some of them were incredible. But it was more the consciousness of the people who did them that just was coming. And I could understand them. There were tankas. And you know, you see pictures of tankas, Tibetan, you know, they're all elaborate and all that. Normally, I don't really care for those that much. I was just mesmerized. These were painted tankas. So someone did all of that artwork. And again, I could feel that consciousness. And then I went around and got by, finally, you know, I thought, I'm really getting cold. So I went around, and then I came to the very end, and there was Jyotisha's painting of Divine Mother. And it was obvious, I should have seen that right when I started, but I, I got around there. So I had to stand and really feel, and I thought, oh, Jyotish, this is really quite incredible. And I feel your consciousness coming to me through that painting. So, you know, there are things that will happen to us. And the other, the other ways, a couple of other things I wanted to mention is that I started decades ago thinking because it was said, Master said, you know, Gananda said, memorize my poem Samadhi and stay it, say it every day. Well, in the beginning, the poem Samadhi was like, whoa, you've got to be kidding, you know, just so many images and just over, very beginning. And then when I was living in the monastery at Ayodhya, I thought, okay, now's the time, let's just, so I memorized it, because we pretty much said it every day when we were meditating, so, so I started to memorize it. And then over the years, I thought, this is a good thing, you know, just to, because it's such a, it's samadhi. It's oneness with God that he has managed to put into words. And so I kept up the practice. And it wasn't every day, but I, I kept it up. And I have to say that as I've gone along over the decades, and you know, sometimes there'd be big chunks of time when I wouldn't repeat it, but then I'd get back into it, that phrases from that poem come to me, you know, just interesting, you know, just one, I remember when we were in Portland and I thought, ah, present, past, future, no more for me, but ever-present, all-flowing I, I everywhere. We're talking about the Christ consciousness, but that, that came to me, I just thought, oh, Wow. And I started to really feel certain parts of it, not all of it, 
but certain parts of it. And it was just really wonderful. For me, I say samadhi as I'm going to, to bed, in the evening, in other words. That's a quiet time. I can really focus on it. It takes about seven or eight minutes to repeat it, but there it is, and it's just flowing through. And the other, so I'm recommending this to you, the other, the other one is God, God, God. Jyotish mentioned it, and I hadn't been, it was fine, and I love singing that when Swami would sing it, and we would all sing God, God, God with him. But then I thought, oh, this one also, this one I'm going to use in the morning. From the depths of slumber as I ascend the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will whisper, God, God, God. And then there went other one. When boisterous storms of trials shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises, loudly chanting, God, God, God. And I thought, wow, these are friends. These are master coming and really helping us. So I don't want to belabor this and go on too long here. But just to say, really take the time to do the work. You can listen to talks of swamis or others. The talks will inspire you, but they won't get you there. You have to do the work yourself. It doesn't come otherwise. You can listen to talk after talk after talk, and you're not going to have much. But if you take the inspiration from one talk, and then you go into meditation, and you, you work with that, you'll find that those things, they, they build. There's more going on, in other words, than what we remains apparent to us. So really use all of these things as we go into 2023, which could be quite an interesting, difficult year. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know that it will be mild. But uh, anyway, but, but use these things. They're God-given gifts through Master, through Swami to us. And they will mean a lot as we enter into more, more interesting times. Okay. Stand. Bear 
there's a morning for every nation when the sun's high in the sky there's a time for every people to affirm their destiny la 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 even so all of us together can create a better land leave the past a new tomorrow waits for all who understand la 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 leave the past a new tomorrow waits for all who understand All our hopes and all our dreams 
Wisdom. 